about the time she walked away. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Thoughts Inside Our Head podcast. Coming at you live. It's Wednesday. It's 8.30. I took my my podcast pre-workout fuel because we're getting close to bedtime. I'm feeling great, a little crazy. I've got Kurt Pruitt with me. Kurt, what's going on, man? Uh, you know what's funny is you you correlated 8.30 and close to bedtime. I'm not making fun of you, but I'm a little bit worried because if you have pre-workout in you, I don't know how good of sleep you're going to get tonight. You know, I have. I feel like I have enough trackers on me these days because I'm kind of interested in quantifying my sleep that we'll see what happens. Odds are I'll probably be asleep by 9.30. My head will hit the pillow and I'll be out in less than three minutes. That's just generally par for the course. But if there's ever a time for me to deviate from that and maybe stare at the ceiling for a minute, it could be tonight. I don't know. We'll, well see. Keep us posted on those results. Yeah, I'll be uh, – Generally, the demons, uh, they don't fight me long. They they go to sleep quick. So anyway, dude, how have you been? Good, dude. It's been a, a fun little weekend. I felt the baby kick in Emmy's tummy for the first time. Wow. that's uh, That's got to be surreal, honestly. I try and put myself in that situation and think about what it would be like, and I can't even get there because yeah. I'm obviously so far away from that, but... That's awesome. Yeah. What, when's the, when's the, when's the due date for the, for all the listeners out there? Uh, January twenty second, as of right now, the due date. Coming quick, dude. Halfway there, we reached our halfway <sighs> mark last Wednesday. We're we're now on the back end of the slope. We're coming back do down you, the mountain, Berg. Do you have the app where it says your baby is now currently the yeah. size of a golf ball, and now your baby's the currently the size of Hey Arnold's football head, yeah. or anything like that? It's the size of an endive, which happens to be some sort of lettuce. So you learn, I guess, as you go. I don't know if that's a leaf of that lettuce. I don't know if it's a head of that lettuce. I don't really know what an endive is or what it looks like. You know, what was really creepy, though, um, as baby was going through the berry stage, so like blueberry, blackberry, uh, strawberries, things like that, when we'd Mm -hmm. get together with Em's family on Sundays for dinner, her aunt would always be like, bring bring what the baby is. So I'm sitting here like eating strawberries when my baby's the size of a strawberry. I'm like, this isn't cool anymore. This is kind of weird. It, it put out put out a weird vibe for sure. Yeah, that's 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 really weird. I, I have to say, you know, strawberries, blueberries, that's all normal. But whoever programmed the system to say endive needs to endive off a cliff and probably never <laughs> see us again because, you know, in in this beautiful country we call it, you know, a head of lettuce. But yeah. who am I to judge? Yeah, for sure, dude. So, uh, speaking of this beautiful country, do you know what today is? Today is September 11th. Good segue, Berg. I love segues. Thanks, man. I, uh, I, I thought about that one for about all of two seconds. So nice. we're, you know, we're, we're, we're the kings of that here. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's September 11th. Uh, a pretty, a pretty heavy day, obviously. It's crazy. Um, it's been 18 years since the uh, the terrorist attacks occurred in 2001 and obviously this gets a lot of uh, a lot of run on social media and you see a bunch of things from you know back in 2001 but you know I can't help but always kind of think back um, it's obviously a, a monumental day in, in our history and in our lives and especially then our, our minds were young and you know we were both in sixth grade and you know no matter how many years go by we all I, I always find myself kind of looking back and thinking about it, and um, I thought you had some pretty cool things to say in our group text message today. But um, yeah, man, we just thought we'd want to we, we wanted to chat a little bit about that. Uh, do you remember 
you know, where you were on September 11th, 2001? Yeah, I absolutely remember like odd details about this day. And, you know, we were talking about in the podcast that kids now, I mean, there's probably freshmen in college who probably weren't even, they weren't even born when it happened. I don't know, maybe seniors this year in high school. Either way, there's a lot of people like starting to enter adulthood that don't really remember what happened or weren't even alive. They've lived only in a post 9-11 world. Um, We can get into that in a little bit, but it's just crazy to think like how seared some of these memories are into my brain. I remember showing up to school because my mom worked at Columbia Elementary, the, the elementary school I went to. And it was before kids were going into class because it's on the East Coast, right? So they're, they're before us. So it's probably around seven o'clock our time when it happened. And then like I was there pretty early because my mom needed to do some stuff. And there's a few kids outside that get there early playing basketball or whatever. And I remember Shane Jensen of all people, shout out Shane Jensen. He was the one that's like, talking about it. I'm like, wait, what is going on? He's like, I remember like very vaguely, he said like the first tower has been hit. The second towers just got hit. I don't know what what it was, but, um, or it might've been collapsing, but I remember just like him holding his backpack. Like he has both hands up on the straps. It's just like a very elementary school kid telling another one such a like dramatic thing had just happened. Something so big. And, and so I guess, important I guess is I don't know what the word I'm trying to say maybe heavy is the right thing to say but this big moment happened and these two kids who don't really understand the gravity of the situation are talking to each other about it and I remember that day I remember our teacher sitting us down and she was crying and she was telling us what was going on and then she pulled me aside and said Kurt because my mom was a resource teacher she said Kurt uh, your mom's classroom has the news broadcast going and do you mind kind of like relaying information back and forth between us our class so we can kind of stay informed because in sixth grade, you know, they, they, you're the oldest class in elementary schools here. So you kind of, you kind of carry that, like we're the older kids. We kind of need to like understand what's going on. Right. And I remember, I remember like in the news, like, like seeing footage of the plane hitting the tower and like, like the, the, the pit in your stomach that falls. And like, you see these adults crying and as a kid, you're trying to like understand this feeling you're having because You've never felt like dread. I guess that's the word is just dread over you like that. And, and, uh, it's, it's just a day that, you know, I'll, I'll never really forget. And the week following, I'll never really forget. Like my dad being glued to the TV screen and just all the American flags put into everybody's windows and, and things like that. So, uh, that's my quick retelling, Berg. What were you up to that day? Do you remember? Yeah, man, it was, it was crazy. So I always, every time I'd wait, well, um, we, I'd wake up in the morning and my routine was pretty similar. Get up, go. My parents always had the news on as my dad, like my, as my dad was getting ready for work. And so um, I always would get up and, and kind of watch whatever they were watching as I was like eating my, probably back then it was probably Cinnamon Toast Crunch on, on a rare day. It'd maybe be Golden Grams, but I don't know exactly what it was that day. Maybe waiting for some toast to cook actually, because I remember actually normally watching the front room, but I was in my parents' room for some reason. And they, they were showing replays of the first plane hitting the tower which hit at like, um, I think I saw earlier today on like a documentary, it was like 6.45 Mountain Time, 8.45 Eastern. And so they were showing the replays there, and I remember just like thinking, whoa, that's insane. And then like the building was smoking, and they showed a replay, and it was 
the other, it was it was the other tower getting hit and I was like wait a minute and I saw it live it was insane and I saw the second tower get hit and I don't know why I wasn't at school at that point or I don't know I don't know what I think it was before school out. started I, I think it, it might have been yeah yeah and I was I mean it was I guess it was around I guess it was like 15 or something minutes after the first one hit and so I I was like, no way. And I was just kind of awestruck. And at that point, I don't think I understood quite the gravity. Of course, you know, it, obviously, you know, neither one of us did. But I just remember being like, kind of shook. It was it was really crazy. And just seeing like, obviously, they, you know, you see the people fleeing. And, you know, the reporters are running around. And it's just pure chaos. And I just remember just seeing pure chaos. And reports were streaming in. And it got to a point where I was like, oh, like, I got to go catch the bus or whatever. So I had my breakfast, and I, I remember right before we left, or before I left, um, I saw the report that they had init- issued like a, a no-fly zone, like across the country, like no planes were supposed to be in the air. And I remember the bus dropped us off at school, and I, we were just kind of like me, Brandon Packer, Sean Webb, Tyler Hansen, Caden Fasick. We were playing wall ball, just waiting for the waiting for class to start. And I saw some planes in the air, and I thought, what the heck? Like, there's a no-fly zone. Why are these planes floating around? And I, I was like, it was, it was obviously I was, whatever, an idiot. But I, I thought that was that was something that was striking. And I remember specifically like talking about it with my friends at the wall ball court. And then, yeah, kind of the same deal as the day progressed. Um, more and more news came out, and uh, I remember like our, we had gym that day. We had like our gym class, but they didn't even like do gym. They just like basically had the TV on in the gym, and we watched it. And it was crazy, man. And then all the stuff to kind of follow after. Um, you know, given the fact we talk about sports a lot, I remember, I feel like it even hit me more the Diamondbacks, I'm an Arizona Diamondbacks fan, and we were playing the Yankees in New York in the World Series um, that October, so a month later, and I remember being, like, pretty emotionally struck by, um, you know, all the stuff that the Yankees did before the game, and um, I remember President Bush throwing out the first pitch, and, like, I remember that was a super emotional oh, he, time, and he threw a strike, too, didn't he? Yeah, it was awesome, it was awesome, and the Yankees won all the games there. Uh, thankfully, we were the home team, so they won the three in New York, and we won the four in Arizona. But uh, it was—I mean, it was, yeah, it was just a really, really crazy time, full of vivid memories, and obviously, you know, something that that we'd never forget. So, and I think you mentioned this earlier. It's like, you know, the kids that that were born after two thousand one happened. You know, it's it's this is kind of like their Pearl Harbor in a way. Yeah. Um, in the way that Pearl Harbor is for us, obviously that happened. You know whatever 70 years ago whatever it was but it's uh it's it's just pretty crazy right it's a it's a moment in time where these kids see it as a history point rather than like a a day in their lives or you know you kind of look at modern i guess history and the moment now is the the time before 9-11 and the time after and we're living Mm -hmm. obviously in the time after which involves a lot more paranoia it involves you know, taking your shoes off as, as you go through security at the airport. Uh, I remember like picking up my aunt at the airport as a little kid right at the gate. Uh, that's stuff that kids just don't experience anymore. And it's not just airport stuff. It's just anytime there's a big crowd, there's just this sense of unease that you can, if you focus on it, you can feel in the air that there might be some sort of terrorist attack. And that's just the world that we live in today. I mean, obviously there's a lot more going on with like mass shootings and things like that. But, you know, it, it's just... It's it's crazy to think that these kids just they don't know what it was like beforehand and and 
they're they're starting to become you know part of the workforce they're becoming adults and and they don't see they didn't see the world that we saw i guess you know the 90s was a pretty happy time uh you know a lot of funny stuff was going on it was the turn of the it was the millennia like like from then to now i feel like the world's got a little bit more cynical or maybe that's just me growing up naturally it's really hard to decipher but i think too we we have to bring up like as sixth graders we knew what the twin towers were because that was like those were the structures in america like it's the eiffel tower to paris right it was the twin towers were not only new york city but it was like represented america because obviously in those towers it, a lot a lot of like the economy like the trading was going on and things like that it was the center of wall street all this good stuff uh that represents you know free commerce and things like that that america represents but but these were two buildings that really were iconic and and you hear about it coming down and, and all the stories that I, I'm starting to ramble here, but you, you know, all the stories that came out from this and things like that. Um, it's just funny to think that the, the kids today just didn't experience it. And they just see it as like how we saw Pearl Harbor. I think that's a really good example, but um, obviously on the internet, there's a lot of stuff floating around and you can't help but read, I guess, stories about, you know, all the heroism that went on. Um, I think we're to the point now where a lot of the stories have broke. They're like, single individuals that uh, you read about that were able to save, you know, thousands of lives and things like that. But one thing I really do want to brush up on Kolb is on today, it, it they say never forget. And specifically those first responders at nine 11, um, as I was texting the group today and I was writing out this long text message, I was sitting there thinking about those first responders and like, now that I have a kid coming, um, and, and into my, into my life you think about you know not so much anymore these these guys is just firemen and police policemen that were there or women as well uh you start seeing them as as family men and family women and these these people had kids at home they had sons and daughters and wives and they had fathers and mothers of their own and and i think what's really i guess inspiring is that when they when they ran up into those towers, there wasn't even a moment of hesitation. Like, you try to put yourself in your shoes and you think, you know, would I be brave enough to go in there? Uh, hopefully, I think that at some point I would make the decision to, but it would take some time to kind of think about it. But these these guys just ran up there, like, without a, a moment of hesitation. And, and I think that's what the most awesome part about it is. And I, I don't mean awesome in the word of, like, sweet or cool, but, like, truly awe-inspiring uh, moments of humanity are these people just running in to save other lives they didn't think about themselves or anything like that they knew they had a job to do and it it truly is crazy at almost 30 years old you know a lot of those people were probably our age and they did it no questions asked and a lot of them gave their lives just to save you know a few more people yeah and it's interesting because Obviously, they are heroes and, and all the talk over the last 18 years about you know how great they are. In a weird way, um, it's put them on a pedestal and almost turned them into superheroes when in reality, like when they woke up that morning, they literally were just like you and I, you know, in the sense that they, it was, they were just getting up for a regular day at work. Yeah, obviously, their work involves, you know, generally saving people on a day to day basis as it is, um, you know, whether it's from, you know, car accidents or whatever, but you know, it's when you, when you really, when you take a step back and think about them as just regular, you know, regular men and women that were just, you know, doing what they needed to do to provide for their families and whatever. And, 
literally drop everything at the drop of a hat, knowing they probably wouldn't come back out, you know, knowing the towers were pretty structurally unstable after, after receiving the explosions that, yeah, man, it's like when you, when you re- realize that they're just your neighbor, or just like some, you know, random people, you know, just normal humans that ran back up there. Um, it's, it's pretty awe-inspiring. So yeah. I have to keep a nail on my head. I, so go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to Tom. He sent something pretty uh, profound in the text saying that, you know, last night, so September 10th, 18 years ago was the last night that they were able to spend with their family in, in their normal lives. And then so much had changed, you know, with, within about 12 hours um, from that last dinner that they were able to have. And, you know, the families that are probably still hurting to, to this day and not probably for sure still hurting to this day, you know, I'm sure they still, they feel the love from everybody. Um, I'm sure this day means a lot to them. Uh, so shout out. I'm going to give the first podcast eternal shout out to the heroes of 9-11. Um, I don't know if an eternal shout out's a thing, but it is now. So heroes of 9-11, first responders, you get the first eternal uh, thoughts inside our head. Shout out. It's official. Put a stamp yeah. on it. And and again, too, though, I, I do want to bring this up, too because our current president had a slogan called make America great again. And you kind of think about what makes America great. And we get kind of caught up in like, Oh, it's because you know, our economy and because of freedom and because of our flag and because our national anthem and because of this and that and this, I think nine 11 is a perfect example of what makes this country great. And that's its people. Like you said, they were every day, just normal humans, they woke up one day and something happened to where they had to be extraordinary and they answered the call. So shout out to Americans. Um, things kind of feel a little toxic between us right now, but shout out to us. I think we're the best country in the world. I truly mean that when I say it, we have our problems, but because of the people, that's what makes us the best country in the world. Amen. Couldn't have said it better. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. And it's always, uh, you know, we definitely want to we, we want to do today justice and and definitely uh, you know give the heroes the the recognition they deserve. And it's always kind of a weird transition to something a little more lighthearted. So I'm just going to go out there and throw it out there that it is uh, it's 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 not an easy transition. But that said, you know, speaking of the USA and how great it is, um, unfortunately today on on September 11th, uh, 18 years later, um, in a much less and it, it doesn't even feel right to compare it, but uh, we we the team team USA the basketball team suffered a defeat today, Kurt. Yeah, we our lost. basketball team wasn't the greatest basketball team in the world today. We weren't, unfortunately. And uh, the uh, obviously the stories of of you know the the top tier, top echelon, highest echelon players dropping out, guys like LeBron and uh, you know James Harden and Dame Lillard and you know you name it, Paul George, he was injured, but whatever, um, dropped out, and so. Uh, our guy Donovan Mitchell had uh, the opportunity to shine as one of the go-to guys today and throughout the tournament and has honestly represented us very well. Um, today, in fact, was probably his best game. Uh, they started playing in Guangdong, China, Shanghai area at like, f- it was 5 o'clock this morning is, is when they played. And naturally, uh, given the fact that I do go to sleep so early, one of the benefits is you actually wake up early. And so I got to watch the game and honestly, it's, I can say definitively that we on the court between France and, and, uh, team USA, we had, we had the two best players 
um, represented today on the Utah Jazz, and that was Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And Donnie, we'll start with Donnie real quick. Um, Donnie had he had 29 points. 14 of those came at a very crucial point in the third quarter. Um, the U.S. was actually down um, for most of the game through halftime until Donovan uh, just went crazy. Um, the ball was moving. Donovan was getting to the hole. He was hitting jump shots. He was hitting threes. He was really doing it all. Um, the quarter was only 10 minutes long. He dropped 14 points, but it didn't seem like he was a goat. He was necessarily being a ball hog. He was just playing within the flow of the offense. And so we were down. We were down 10 when Donovan started his run, and by the end of it, we were up by we were up by three at the end of the third. And then uh, a few things didn't go our way. Um, we missed a layup. Chris Middleton missed a layup at the end of the third, which would have put us up five. And then Marcus Smart missed two free throws. We ended up missing 11 free throws in the fourth quarter. But Marcus Smart missed two to start the fourth quarter, which would have had us up by seven. And then Frankie Nilakina on the Knicks for Team France hit a three and it tied it up and our momentum was gone. Donovan was out. And unfortunately, the other arguably star of Team USA... Kemba Walker, who plays for the Celtics now, tried to take over and uh, it didn't work out too well. And Donovan got two shots in the fourth quarter despite being hot as a freaking flamethrower in the third. And uh, one of those shots was rejected by the French rejection, the stifle tower, Rudy Gobert. And uh, yeah, that's uh, unfortunately we lost by 10. So what do you think? Um, well, if the USA were to lose, I'm happy they lost in a game where Donovan played really, really good, and you can't really point the blame on him because, uh, obviously, for some reason, uh, expansive NBA universe likes to point out that his efficiency is a problem. It can be a problem at times, so I'm happy he was efficient today. Um, if we were to lose to anyone, I'm happy it was Rudy. I guess it takes the sting out a little bit. That being said, I really, really wanted this team to win the tournament. Uh, the tweet going around that everyone's claiming as their own uh, joke, I guess, that they came up with is Kemba Walker played great defense on Donovan in the fourth by not letting him <laughs> shoot. Uh, I got to say, this is not a great coaching look for Pop. Why did he allow this to happen in terms of going away from one hot star and letting a guy who sounds like he came in cold as ice through the entire game and just started hooking up shots and things like that? A really interesting stat is Kemba was the starting point guard on the team and he ended the game with zero assists. Berg, that is not good basketball. Yeah, that is uh, not ideal by any means. Um, Kemba was probably the most consistent player throughout the tournament until tonight or this morning. So I kind of get that, you know, he wanted to be the guy and kind of took upon himself the mantle to be to be the guy in the situation when, you know, Team USA needed him the most. And so I get it, but I think he, you know, being the type of team player that he's generally known to be, um, not having any assists and not really deferring to Donnie, who was hot, who was a plus 30, I believe, when he was on the floor. Donovan was plus 30, six rebounds, four assists, two steals, um, obviously 29 points. He had a really all-around game, and I think uh, even though that, that – I don't even know who the actual source of that tweet about – Kemba playing the best defense on Donnie. Whoever came up with it originally, uh, you know, for, for better or for worse, was spot on. So, yeah, it's it's too bad. Uh, you know who's scary in this tournament for real, though, is Rudy Gobert. He's playing with some sort of 
I guess, chip on his shoulder. I don't know what the right word is, but he's playing with a crazy intensity. And I think he wanted to win that game. Obviously, he wanted to win that game more than anybody else on the floor on both sides of the court. I think Rudy was playing with something to prove tonight. Uh, And he came out with a victory. And now I hope France wins for Rudy's sake. Yeah, 100%. I know uh, Miles Turner, our center, said something about the matchup with Rudy saying like, yeah, I guess some people think he's the defensive player of the year, but pretty much a outright slap, uh, jab in, in Rudy's side and in his in his reputation. And um, Rudy definitely saw it. He liked the tweet on uh, on Twitter, and so freaking Miles Turner. I think he I think he got two shots up. I think he was one for two the entire game. Uh, I think Rudy had shot ten foul shots in the first quarter because Miles Turner couldn't guard him. And just constantly fouled him, and Turner got into foul trouble and couldn't even stay on the floor. So, shout out to Miles Turner for fueling Rudy's fire. Rudy's always looking for a chip, and uh, he definitely got it today. And I'm not talking Doritos either. <laughs> Rudy's that guy. And well, there's a few people like this, but Rudy's that guy that just takes that negative energy from other people and just turns it into just, just freaking meat and potatoes, Berg. That's his carb load for the game. That's it. I mean, he still wears number 27 because he was drafted 27th overall. There are right. 27 guys that were picked ahead of him. And side note, I actually saw a redraft that ESPN did, and they had Rudy going second to uh, after after Giannis. So if anything, uh, we should feel good about that. But shout out Rudy, dude. Shout out Rudy. I know uh, Joe Ingles, is, uh, he's actually having a great tournament for the Boomers in Australia. Um, Patty Mills is kind of leading that team, but Ingles is playing a pretty crucial role. And so we'll see, you know, and then, of course, our beloved former jazz man, Ricky, is playing for Team Spain, and they're always kind of a, a feisty team in international competition. But I think, yeah, I'm definitely pulling for Rudy. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So fun stuff. We've got training camp just around the corner, by the way, coming up in about uh, three weeks, I believe. So just like you mentioned, you know, it's it's good to see. It sucks to see Team USA lose. Obviously, we have a, I mean – you would think that we'd at least make it into the medal round, give, despite our team. I mean, we've got still, you know, what, 13 NBA players. But um, it's good to have Donovan end on a high note from a, a personal playing perspective. He didn't get hurt. They play one more game against Serbia tomorrow, who a lot of people thought it would be the gold medal game. Yeah. So we just need them not to get hurt tomorrow and have Donnie get home safely. And he'll probably start working out with the squad in the next couple weeks. And again, let us reiterate, everybody, this is the most excited we've ever been for a jazz season, so it's a big deal. I I honestly, <laughs> I still get chills when I think about it. This is It's going to be incredible, and I've said it a thousand times on this podcast, but it can't be said enough. This year is going to be an absolute blast, and that's fun. all we can say. So. Cannot wait, October 23rd. That's right, but who's counting? Not us. <laughs> Um, all right, Berg, hit me with something. Yeah, dude. So of course, um, the way I look at, well, we, we still have some time before basketball season starts and until basketball season, there's always a few nice little checkpoints to get you through the off season. And I would consider it more of a checkpoint for me and less of one for you because you actually have an NFL team, but we have officially completed what week one in the NFL and um, some things we expected to see, some things we didn't expect to see. Ultimately, I was just happy to have something on TV to watch. And so let's, I mean, there's lots of stuff to get into. Um, but give me your, I don't know, 
maybe two or three biggest takeaways from the NFL? Um, Patriots are probably going to win the Super Bowl again. Unless, and I'm sure we're going to get into this, unless A.B. Antonio Brown's allegations turn out to be true. Ah, they probably still will win anyway. Uh, they have a really good defense this year, which usually they don't have like great defenses. I feel like this is the best defense they've had in a while. Um, in terms of other things, let's see. I think in local Washington Redskins news, I think the Philadelphia Eagles will probably win the NFC East. We are very bad. Uh, we had a really good first quarter and a half. Uh, went into halftime up 20 to 7 and then we decided the game was over at that point and the Eagles I, I don't want to take anything away like Philly made some good adjustments they really started winning at the uh, line of scrimmage which in football probably is the most important space um, in the game you can't run the football if you know Philadelphia's defensive lines two yards in the backfield by the time the ball hits Case Keenum's hands um, so I don't know uh, I just and I, I also think the Cowboys are very overrated yet again. They'll probably end at eight and eight, somehow fighting for a wild card at the uh, end of the season, the last few games, and then Dak will blow it uh, as per usual. So shout out to Flint, your team sucks. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> We've got we actually have a few dedicated Cowboy fans that, that are listeners. So I know I know you're out there. Uh, shout out to you guys for being loyal to your team. Eh. I can't necessarily talk a ton of crap because I don't have a team, but. Uh, I, I I know one thing I cannot jump on the Cowboys bandwagon. Yeah. So. Well, I can I don't have much room to say because the only team we're better than is the Giants, and that's not saying anything at all. But um, I think there was some exciting football games. Obviously, that Saints uh, Texans game was awesome. I think really the biggest takeaway from watching the NFL for one week versus watching college football for about two weeks before. Uh, just how much better of a product it is. And and I understand, like, college football is fun to watch. I'm not taking that away. Um, it is fun because it is college football. But if you're looking for, obviously, a pure football product, the NFL truly is just uh, miles and miles and miles and thousands of miles away better. Uh, there's just amazing athletes doing amazing things. Uh, not even just play in and play out. Um, I'm going to give a shout-out to my... Rookie wide receiver Terry McLaurin uh, had 125 yards and a touchdown. Should have had two touchdowns, but the greatest quarterback of all time, Case Keenum, couldn't hit him down the seam. Um, I'm not. I can't believe I want to say this. I want to give a shout out to Philly fans because uh, their boy D. Jax was back and he put on a show and got two touchdowns against us, which sucks because Quentin Dunbar is the worst corner in the league. But um, I I didn't watch too many games other than ours. I watched the a little bit of the Monday night games. Um, but really, Berg, the storyline in the NFL right now is obviously the crazy stuff that's going down with Antonio Brown. I mean, we're going to cue the conspiracy music here, but, but I don't even know if it's much of a conspiracy. He's, he got traded to, well, he got out of the Steelers by forcing a trade to Oakland and he didn't want to play in Oakland. So I think he just went absolutely against the wall crazy like the craziest version of crazy to get released and now he's on the patriots berg who is this guy dude so <laughs> i had a few things come to mind when this when this all happened i i honestly wonder with the conspiracy music still playing i wonder how like how far back this goes like he knew that the only way to get out of 
um, to get out of Pittsburgh, or one of the only ways was to essentially demand a trade. And the only team that was willing to, one of the only teams, I guess, that was willing to, you know, pony up the assets necessary was was the Raiders. And I maybe he gave him an honest shot. Maybe he actually thought maybe he'd play. Um, I saw a funny tweet, and it was like, it goes like this: it goes Derek Carr, and then it goes like the star, like if this is an action, misses another another receiver badly, and then AB in his head. I wonder how crazy I gotta act before they just let me dip. I'm fit to start tripping. And then and then Derek Carr misses another pass. And then A B. Hey y'all, I can't wear this fucking helmet. <laughs> I thought that's it's way funny and some people think that he consulted like some social media I saw that. Um, guru to like find a way to get him out of there. It, it's kind of funny because and then obviously he posted the YouTube video of his conversation with John Gruden, but I, not that I'm gonna break, take this back into a relationship sometimes, but I know in the past maybe I've had like a breakup or two where I'm, you know, talk. I'm, you know, I'm trying to be a good guy and we're having this conversation. I'm talking to the girl and saying, you know, hey, like, you know, it's not gonna, like, I don't think it's gonna work for X and X reason. And then they'll say, oh well, no, we can do this to make it work. Like, maybe I'm too busy or maybe it's like a long distance thing. And then in my head I'm like, oh gosh. Like, and then, then I say, well, and it also can't work because of like, you know, this reason here. And they're like, oh, well, that's okay. We can, we can, you know, get, we can, we can figure that out. Like, that's not a big deal. Like, <laughs> just willing I can to work. Help you with, I can help you with your homework. Like, I'm totally willing to work. And then eventually, in your head, you just click like, I just don't want to be in this freaking relationship. And in reality, I just don't like you. And so, you, after all that, you just have to come out and say, I'm sorry, I just don't see this working, and I just got to get out of here. <laughs> and it just seemed like it was one of those things where he's like, oh, maybe I'll just, like, you know, freeze my feet. And, oh, maybe I'll just, like, you know, act a little crazy in practice. And then he just kept upping the ante every time it didn't work. And then finally just like, ah, screw it, I'm out of here. Find me. He punts the ball and tries to fight the GM. And then he's like, get me out. <laughs> so. All right. Oh, hold on, hold on. Uh, I don't know if the con- conspiracy music's still playing, so cue that up again. Um, here's the thing. The Steelers were not sending him to the Patriots in the first place. That's the last place they were sending him. They, they were like anywhere but the Patriots. They beat us every year. But I think from day one, AB's like, I want to play for Tom Brady. Or with Tom Brady. Like, who doesn't? Um, I don't know if anyone here listens to the Bill Simmons podcast, but I guess Bill Simmons had a, a conversation with AB in the summer, and then he's like, what offense would you want to play with? He said, oh, the Chiefs or the Patriots for sure is suited for me. So, you know, you're sitting here thinking, like, hmm, of course, obviously, but I think the entire time he's looking for a way to get to the Patriots, but the Steelers weren't doing it. So he gets out of there because he knows that's not the route he's going to take. And then by the time he's released... He signs the deal in 45 minutes with the Patriots. How long does it take to draft a freaking NFL contract, Colby? It can't right. be it can't be that quick. So there's got to be something going on. I don't know. Belichick loves to not necessarily even bend the rules. He'll just like walk right across the line and do anything he can to win and get an upper hand. I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, this sounds a little bit fishy. And if the other side of things... <laughs> These rape allegations that just came out are, oh my gosh, this, yeah, I mean, this is stranger than fiction for sure, but if these turn out to be false, which I was reading that um, because these weren't 
you know, recorded in, uh, have a, have a police report before that it's like a civil case or something like that. So it could easily be dispelled and, or taken care of out of court that, um, there's a good chance that he can get out of it, whether he, you know, took advantage of the girl or not. I hope that's not true. I don't know. Let's not get into this, but, um, it's tough. It's tough, but there's a chance that I guess Goodell, uh, the all powerful Roger Goodell, well, all powerful in terms of if you're a player, uh, the you emperor. have to, yeah, he's the emperor bend, to you. You got to bend the knee. Right. He's uh, going to put him on his exempt list, which doesn't happen very often, but I guess the commissioner has a list that he can co- put players on to where uh, they cannot play in the NFL until he takes them off the list. So who knows where this story goes, but all I'm going to say is if Antonio Brown and Flash Gordon are the two wide receivers on your team with the greatest quarterback of all time throwing them the ball, there's a pretty good chance you're going to win the league. So um, it might be one of those like we're just watching this for all the fun and games, and then by the end of this, when it's you know the new year, I don't even know when the Super Bowl is anymore. I think it's like February now. Uh, when yeah. that rolls around, yeah, the Patriots will be there again and they'll win again, and we'll be like, oh. On to next year. Hopefully, Brady doesn't play till he's eighty. So it's like, oh, oh when did the Jazz play? Right? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I I feel you hundred percent. I uh, I mean, uh, granted, I don't pay as much close attention to the NFL as probably as much as you do, but I, I pay a decent amount of attention um, to at least the storylines and what's going on. And um, I was at first when the AB thing happened and he got picked up by the Pats, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like this will be fun to watch just because it'll be you know just kind of crazy to see kind of a. A, a super ish team and it's always fun to see touchdown Tom just doing stuff and it's he seems ageless and so that's kind of fun and then uh the Patriots traded Demarius Thomas shout out Nick Wilding for uh, his, his Denver Bronco Bronco days um to the Jets to kind of free up a spot and you know they didn't want to have too much going on at wide receiver slash whatever um so now it'll be interesting to see if AB plays. But yeah. Um, anyway, oh, we saw Julian Edelman too. Let's not forget that. Can't forget. And Gronk will make and Gronk will yeah. make a comeback in Week Twelve. But yeah, he'll be back. Um, I didn't know Antonio Brown has five kids. He's thirty-one. Uh, wow, that's crazy. How? So I'm not going to say good that. for him. Um, um, one other thing I wanted to mention, and this yeah. kind of goes back to the you mentioned the quality the quality gap between the NCAA football and NFL football. And I'm just curious because I had this argument with the Barlows uh, a couple years ago, Tyson and Austin. Um, Shout out AB and Ty. Eagle and Vikings fans. Uh, Ty for the Vikes, AB for the Eagles, whatever. Um, and I said that to me it felt like the gap between college basketball and the NBA is much greater as far as watchability than it is from the – uh, NCAA football to, to the NFL. And now it could be because I just don't, I'm not, my eye isn't as keenly tuned to the football, to football. So watching college football doesn't hurt my eyes as much as maybe watching college basketball does. Not that I'm a college basketball guru, but I literally cannot find a second in my day. If I have literally nothing to do to watch college basketball, I just can't bring myself to ever turn it on. But I obviously watch the NBA like crazy compared to, and if uh, NCAA football, you know, I'll definitely turn on a couple games and maybe it's because of rivalries or who knows what, but I can at least watch it. And it's like, yeah, obviously it's not nearly as talented as the NFL, but I'm curious what the, what you think Pruitt, as well as what our listeners think. We'll throw a poll up is, is, or a, yeah, a poll is the, 
the gap greater between NCAA basketball and the NBA or NCAA football and the NFL? What do you guys think? So what do you think? In terms of watchability, like we're not talking about the talent gap. We are talking about just like what's easier to watch and what's like, I guess, like, are you saying the gap between college football, like the excitement and the fun is not, it's smaller to the NFL versus a huge gap between uh, how fun it is to watch college basketball and the NBA. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, essentially, just like the the watchability of the products. Yeah. So, I think, obviously, I mean, I can't, I'm with you, I cannot watch. College basketball is the most frustrating, unfun thing to watch on TV, in my opinion. I mean, March Madness is fun to watch, like, the last two minutes of a close game, but I can't watch a ball get swung around for 40 minutes in a zone, and then a player shoot a brick. I can't do that. It's not fun. Um, college, or college football is fun to watch. Like, I mean, you don't even have to be that big of avid of a sports fan. You can throw on college football, and, the, you know, I think it's because, like, just because the excitement of big plays and things like that, um, and there's a, a lot of big plays in college football, it can be fun to watch. There are, there's some poor college football games, though. Um, but I think the chaos in college football because the players aren't as good as the NFL um, can create some sort of fun environment to watch. So I would say like, you know, the gap and I'm not, and I, it's hard to say because the NFL really is such a better product than college football. I'm not taking anything away from that. But what I am saying is uh, I definitely would rather watch college football over college basketball. So I would say that um, the product is better in football. Got it. Got it. Did I answer that right? Am I answering? Yeah, your question? no, absolutely. And I think I think there's obviously there's definitely room for nuance in the question, and and uh, but I totally think you answered it correctly. I believe. Um, again, I, I guess I can't appreciate just because I'm not as my eyes, like I say, aren't as finely tuned to watching the NFL. It doesn't seem like the talent gap is as big between um, college football and the NFL to me. But at the same time. I think mostly it's just because it college football is actually pretty entertaining mm-hmm. with the chaos like you mentioned and and college basketball is honestly just right. kind of a, and, a dud to me. And, and I think there's a big reason to that is just the way you can kind of view the game on television like there's a lot of uh I guess details and and precision in football that you can't really pick up on uh, if you're just watching on this, you know, wide shot of both offense and defenses like mm-hmm. in terms of route running or watching, you know, these linemen pull stunts on the defensive line and how the offensive linemen react and how quick these 350-pound men can be and how strong they are and and uh, how much bigger the playbooks are in uh, pro football versus college football and, like, all the all the details and things like that that kind of miss to just, like, the the average viewer. I don't want to say average user, but, but the, the common viewer's eyes, um, which you kind of you don't pick up on and then... You know, college basketball is easy to see. A kid shoots the ball and it goes off the back iron. And it's just a brick, and then they turn over the ball 27 times before they even get a shot up. Um, yeah. You know, it's a lot easier to kind of see that. So. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. So I think we're definitely on the same page there. Um, well, yeah. So we've got obviously lots of untold, uh, untold mysteries that will unfold with uh, the NFL. Um, shout out to the Utes, by the way, to follow up from our last podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, pulling off a nice little W against the Cougars, and then the Cougars bounce back nicely against Tennessee. That game was fun. And yeah, it was fun. yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it was good stuff. 
Um, anything, anything major you're looking forward to the, over the next week or so? Um, not anything too major. I am just kind of going week by week here, Berg, and trying to, you know, get through the day at work and then uh, getting geared up for skins games on the weekends and uh, hopefully my fantasy teams survive. It wasn't a very good, sh- you know, showing um, in my my work league this week, and hopefully I can I can, you know, bounce back. I, I feel like I I have such like a pride issue because I feel like I know it better than everyone else, but it turns out I just suck at fantasy football. And there's some guys who barely watch football at work that are beating me, so that kind of sucks. Um, yeah, man, nothing going on. What about you? Cool. Give us something yeah. to look forward to. Give our listeners something to look forward to. Shoot, something to look forward to this week. Um, gosh, I don't know. I might just have to be the next pod, honestly. <laughs> Stay posted, guys, because the best, post. the best part of your week's coming up. It's the podcast. Yeah, and uh, shout out to uh, to everybody that's still listening. We're 45 minutes in. Honestly, the feedback and everybody that, that gives us shout outs when we see you at weddings or at lunch or you know, at work or downtown or whatever, like a lot of you have given us shout outs and uh, some, had shared some really kind words. So we really appreciate it. We appreciate you tuning in and uh, share it with a friend. Give us a little subscription and uh, a little rate and review because we're sick like that. And we'll ask for it. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. Go Jazz. Go Jazz. What's my age again?